Welcome to the Outcomes Rocket Podcast, where we inspire collaborative thinking, improved outcomes, and business success with today's most successful and inspiring healthcare leaders and influencers. And now your host, Saul Marquez. Welcome back to the podcast. Today, I have the privilege of hosting Joe Ebinger. Dr. Joe Ebinger is a clinical cardiologist and the director of clinical analytics for the Smith Heart Institute at Cedars-Sinai Medical Center in Los Angeles. Beyond his clinical role, he oversees the integration, validation, and analysis of the clinical data for the number three cardiovascular program in the country. He's passionate about using data-driven solutions to improve healthcare quality and decrease costs in the interests of improving value at a population level. Joe has done incredible work. His bachelor's is in medical microbiology and immunology from the University of Wisconsin-Madison and his MD also from the University of Wisconsin-Madison and a master's in health policy and management from the University of California in Los Angeles. He completed his residency at uh, UCSF and is board certified in nuclear cardiology, cardiac computed tomography, and just a, a fantastic individual overall, thinking big at a system level. And so today we're going to tackle some of the things that are on his mind and improving population health and beyond. So Joe, such a pleasure to have you with us today. Pleasure is mine. Thank you so much for having me. You bet. So tell me a little bit more about what inspires your work in healthcare. Yeah. So first of all, thank you for the incredible introduction. So as you kind of alluded to, I got into this initially as, you know, somebody who's really interested in medicine and helping people. And so what drives me on a day-to-day basis is trying to improve the lives of the patients that we're all privileged to care for day in and day out. What I realized throughout my training is that as physicians, we have this, you know, incredible privilege to be able to impact the lives of our patients on the most personal level, but we have a duty to be able to provide care to as many people as we possibly can. And so what I became interested in is how we can leverage the vast amounts of healthcare data in ways that really help to reach more and more people. So what I saw was, particularly with the launch of the EHR, that this sort of idea of data at scale, or what's become known as big data allows us to understand what's happening to our patients at a population level and learn from the experience, not just of what patients are going through, but what other providers are doing and how they are tackling different clinical problems that they see. So what drives me is is being able to take what what I've learned throughout training and throughout the, the years that I've been treating patients and be able to expand that to a larger number of individuals really at a population level. Yeah, it's really impactful to be able to do that. And I just think about all the issues that come up in trying to do that. And I'd love to hear your your perspective, uh, Dr. Abigar, on the word that everybody is is like tired of hearing is interoperability. But it's it's very real. The, you know, the challenges to to scale that data across the the health system. And then the second thing is how do you deal with that data? Once you get it, is it clean and what can you do with it? Maybe you could touch on those two things. I'd love yeah. to hear your perspective. Great points. Yeah. So, so the thing that I feel like people have this sense about sort of big data that all of a sudden things will become push button and you just open up your you know, web browser or your, your desktop <laughs> and, and the answers are all sitting there. And that's definitely not the case. <laughs> the, the, the data case. that comes in is not perfect. It is not linked. It is not clean. And so I'm really fortunate to work at an institution that recognizes and values the fact that while that data may look kind of dirty coming out initially, once you kind of go through, clean it up, and link it to these other different sources, the amount of value that that can provide at both an institutional and patient level, honestly, is immense. So we have a team of individuals who helps us go through 
clean up that information and then link it to other sources. So the short answer is it's a dirty process. The long answer is if an institution realizes how helpful it can be, you can really do a lot of good. It's worth the investment. Very much. Yeah. So give us some examples, Dr. Ebinger, on how you and your team are adding value to the population and the, and the ecosystem there where you work through what you're doing there. Great. So the thing that I always you know, stress to people to remember is value is not this etherist term, right? Value is actually a quantifiable output within the healthcare system, which is defined by quality divided by cost. So to give value means you got to either increase quality, decrease costs, or find some sort of positive balance between the two. And, and within coming at this from the clinical side of things, I always focus first on how do we improve quality. And so a couple of examples of things that we've done using our data sets is we look at what are ways that we can decrease complications, for example, following procedures. So living in the cardiovascular world, one of the things that we look at are people who undergo different forms of cardiac surgery. There are folks who need to have their heart worked on for bypass surgeries or for valve problems and a whole slew of other things. And surprisingly or not, the heart doesn't always like having it exposed to the world and touched and you know manipulated. And one of the common complications or that can happen after this is something called atrial fibrillation. So mm -hmm. we call it post-op AFib. What we looked at is we said, hey, we have a higher rate of post-op AFib than we would like to see. And the data is showing us that there's some variability between our providers. So what we did was we found the best provider in our health system. We basically went through how he worked on things and what protocols he used, and then sat down with the team, said, which of these do you think is going to have the most impact? Integrated that into our EHR and found that we were able to reduce our post-op AFib rates by 20%, nice. which is huge. That's huge. It's huge, not just for the fact of it makes numbers look better, but because you know what? Patients don't like to have post-operative atrial fibrillation. Amen. They don't like to have to spend more time in the hospital. It decreases their ICU length of stays, all really positive things. So we thought that is a, a huge win. Similarly, a project that, that I helped to work on and, and our institution helped to fund was one to reduce uh, complications of bleeding after people have a stent put in. So mm -hmm. we put in stents into people for a number of reasons, like chest pain and heart attacks. But to put those in, we have to give people special meds that help to thin their blood, to keep the stents open. You can imagine if you're giving people these medications and putting catheters into them, they have a risk of bleeding. Yes. It's actually the most common complication after this procedure worldwide. And in the country, we put in over 600,000 stents a year. So this is wow. a pretty common thing. What we did was we took data and identified where the variation existed within our practice model developed a solution that basically warned providers of how high of a risk their patient is at before they did the procedure. And what we saw was we saw for people undergoing this procedure, they had a greater use of what we call bleeding avoidance strategies or techniques to try and decrease that bleeding risk. And we saw the rate of bleeding go down. So again, using data that is at a population level and bringing that down to the individual patient. That's what we really see is improving the quality of care and how you can leverage it and do that. Love it, Joe. Two really concrete examples of, of leveraging data to both improve quality and even like satisfaction, right? Because you think about physician satisfaction as well. Yeah. Like, wow, my, my, my outcomes are better. Like you go home feeling great about yourself. Exactly. And, and I think that that's the important part is, is if you're able to have that one-on-one -on -one impact with the provider and that, 
and with the patient and people walk away from that with a positive experience, that's sort of the, the ultimate goal, right? You've been able to improve the quality, improve the efficiency, really improve the entire experience with the healthcare system, which to be honest, over the last several decades for a lot of folks hasn't been really positive, right? The healthcare system is, I think, probably second in line to the DMV when it comes to where people want to spend their time. And so if you're able to find a way to streamline and improve that, that's really a win for everybody. Love it. Well, that's definitely a way that you guys are doing things differently and better in the ecosystem. So kudos to you and, and the team. And I, I just can't help but think about 12 years ago, like even, you know, 10 years ago. I mean, there wasn't a guy like you or a person like you, male or female, in a seat like yours in the leadership position system level. But today, it's a more common thing. And thankfully for that, stuff like you're doing is, is happening. Yeah. And, and, you know, I think there's a couple of things that led to that. One is honestly the High Tech Act, uh, which really sort of pushed forward the use of electronic health records. And because data is only as helpful as, as it is accessible, right? Yes. So we are still a country that is, has a far way to go when it comes to interoperability between our electronic health records and the, the vast amount of, of data that exists. But the High Tech Act really pushed us forward in terms of digitizing huge amounts of that. And so now it's on us to say, okay, this is a new resource that's at our disposal. How do we access it? How do we clean it? How do we utilize it in a way that's going to be most beneficial? And so I think that that pushed us forward. And to be honest, really the, the entire tech revolution, I mean, also 12 years ago, I mean, how often now do we go on our phone, search the internet, Google something? 12 years ago, I remember like, oh, I couldn't possibly think about using the internet on my phone because my phone bill would quadruple. So, <laughs> so we've yep. really come forward in terms of our computing technology and abilities. And I think that's what's allowing us to really take advantage of, of this data opportunity. I agree. And so if you think about the future, Dr. Ebinger, what are your thoughts? I mean, yeah. in 10 years, is this whole thing different or is it an iteration? So... I think that medicine is sort of this art of pragmatic incrementalism. So mm -hmm. do I think that it'll be really different? Yeah, very, very much so. Do I think that we're going to see change the same pace that you see change in areas like uh, finance industry or the tech industry? Probably not. And in my opinion, I think that's a good thing. I think that anytime that you're making changes that are going to affect people's lives on some of the most personal levels, I think going slow is fair. That mm -hmm. being said, we have no option but to improve yes. because- we are still the most costly healthcare system in the world with honestly not the best outcomes for what we pay for. And so I think that we're going to see more and more of a demand from both patients and from payers to say, you have to show us data-driven solutions to the problems that are affecting you on a day-to-day -day basis. And the only way to do that is to harness the information at your disposal. Love it. And you know, I think uh, an important distinction, and I love your point right there. I mean, it's just, it's critical. And, and I love the, the word that you use, pragmatic incrementalism. Nailed it. I mean, <laughs> I think that's such a, such a great way to, to, to classify it. And I think when you talk about payers, I believe that it's the employers that are the payers that are creating a lot of this shift. Yeah. And it's because of the unique model that we've set up in the U.S., right? I mean, mm -hmm. we, unlike other countries where it's, it's paid for by the government, healthcare is intrinsically linked currently in the U.S. to your employer. So how do we find ways to maximize the, the healthcare that people are able to get for the dollar amount that employers are currently investing and make sure that we're not 
A, bankrupting patients, and B, bankrupting the economy, right? These employers mm -hmm. are the, the driving force behind what keeps our economy going and provides the livelihood for millions of Americans every day. And so we have a responsibility, not just to the individual patients that we, again, have the privilege to treat, but to be honest, to the rest of the country, because we're going to make up a fifth of the entire GDP within the next few years. We yes. really need to make sure that we are utilizing what are limited national resources appropriately to get the best benefit for every single American. Well said. Well said. I vote for Dr. Ebbinger, president of 2020. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely will not see me on a ballot anytime soon. <laughs> no, but as you think about the work that you've done, what would you say is one of the one of the biggest setbacks and what lesson did you learn? Yeah. So one of the things that I think is really important coming into this is don't think that you know everything and don't think you know more than what your, you know, the other people working in your healthcare system know. When we try, we've tried, for example, to go in and implement new new tools into the EHR to help us improve quality. And if we don't have stakeholder engagement from the providers, we're going to be using that on a day-to-day -day basis, it's going to fall flat on its face. Mm -hmm. So going back to one of my earlier examples with the bleeding avoidance strategies, our initial push at this, when we push this sort of uh, tool out into the EHR, we didn't fully engage with the cath lab staff who are going to be using this day to day. And what we saw was they didn't use it. <laughs> it was yep. a tool that was great and in the end actually provided a huge benefit, but we didn't take their uh, needs into account when we first put this into the clinical workflow. Once we sat with them and understood, oh, this isn't, you're not using it because you think this is a bad product. You're using this because it slows down your clinical workflow in other places. That's when we, we really were able to get traction after we made some changes and improve quality of care. Love it. Love it. Yeah, it's a great, great takeaway for anybody looking to implement. You can't mess with workflow. Yeah. And I think I, I think I've shared this. With, I, we uh, like a year ago, we, we got some like new window treatments on the on the house here. And my son used to play in the, in the windowsill. And then all of a sudden, these things are like blocking him. He was so mad that morning. <laughs> <laughs> it's so true. It's the smallest things that completely affect folks who you're doing all this for anyways, right? And you yep. really have to take them into account. Yep, yep, yeah. And, and even personally, right? I mean, having gone through an, ER, an ERP implementation, gosh, I mean, the workflow, if you impact it, it's a, it's a huge thing. So definitely take a note here from Joe. Are you impacting workflow? And if so, get the details and get the buy-in from those stakeholders because that's what's going to ensure your success. What are you most proud of today? Yeah. So, I mean, again, at the end of the day, I'm a clinician, right? I'm most proud of improving the lives of the patients that I care for. You, you've mm -hmm. seen the, the father leave the hospital after a heart attack, the mother who's able to walk down the sidewalk with their grandson, the sister who returns home after a heart transplant. Those are the reasons that I get up and do what I do every single day. I guess what I'm, I'm most proud of from this type of work, though, is the fact that I can take that, the clinically generated data, looking at the outcomes that we do, and expand those experiences, those positive outcomes, to an even broader number of individuals. I mean, if you can leverage clinically generated information that's at the fingertips of all of us in the healthcare system now to reach out and help not just the patients that we see in the clinic day in and day out, but the clinics or the patients at a population level that our colleagues or providers are helping to care for. That's really incredibly impactful going from patient to population. That's what I'm most proud of. Love it. Yeah. And you guys are doing a great job of it. If you had to choose a book, Dr. Ebbinger, mm. uh, that you didn't, you recommend to the listeners, what would it be? Great question. So I'm sort of a sucker for a tool to one day. So pretty oh, much yeah. anything that he He's writes, um, in part yeah. because I think that I think that he takes the complexities of what exists in the healthcare system, not just from 
the medical standpoint, but honestly, from the just sheer logistical standpoint, it puts it into ways that, that people can understand, not just people outside of the healthcare system, but to be honest, people within the healthcare system, because yes. there's in medical school and in residency, there's no training in the business or operation of medicine. Totally. Right? You kind of learn it's trial by fire. And he takes these sort of etherous experiences that all of us have in common and condenses them into a format that lets us sort of understand what it is we're all collectively feeling and dealing with and mm -hmm. gives you, if not the, the solution, at least a roadmap to how you can try and find the answer. So pretty much uh, I, my hat's off to Dr. Gawande and it, whenever he gets out his next book, I'll be the first person online to pick it up. Love it. <laughs> uh, you and me both. And, uh, you know, on the website, uh, Joe, as, as, as many yeah. of the listeners know, or maybe not know, because this is a more recent thing that we did, we now have a little link with books. So oh, I awesome. ask all of the guests and now, now we've had 500 plus guests on the show what their favorite book is and we've stack ranked them according to how many people have recommended them and a tools books it's i think that two out of the top 10 wow <laughs> So, yeah. so yeah, totally get it. And if you haven't seen that list, folks, check it out, outcomesrocket.health slash books, or just go to the website and click on the books link at the top of the menu there. And it's a cool list. I prioritize the most recommended books and I recommend that to any leader there, including a tools books like Dr. Ebbinger uh, has, uh, has suggested. Incredible work, Joe. I really appreciate you sharing the successes and, and also the learnings that you guys have had. I'd love if you could just leave us with a closing thought. And then the best place for the listeners to get in touch with you to continue the conversation. Yeah. So I think the, the thing is, is you always have to remember, don't try to go it alone. Trying to solve the problems of the healthcare system are complex and are difficult. Find a partner. And that may be folks within your institution and maybe external to the institution. We've had a great partner in a, in a company called Biome Analytics that's helped us really derive benefit from our cardiovascular data. And without them, I don't think I could do the work that I do day in and day out. But you're going to need that either external partner or the folks within your institution who see this as a priority. If you have that kind of backing, you're going to be able to do huge things for your patients day in and day out. Great message. What a great message. And what would you say is the best place for folks to reach out to you or, yeah. or uh, follow you? Yeah, so emails is, is always the best. So if you, you do have questions, you can reach me at humanphysiology at cshs.org. And I'm more than happy to engage and, and talk with uh, folks who are interested in helping to drive the healthcare system forward. Love it. Dr. Ebbinger, thanks again for your time and uh, excited to uh, share this with the listeners. Pleasure is mine. Hey, thank you so much. You have a great day. Thanks for listening to the Outcomes Rocket podcast. Be sure to visit us on the web at www.outcomesrocket.com for the show notes, resources, inspiration, and so much more.